Hey, what's going on, everybody? Talking Hoops with B-Day Pod. This one is day one of free agency. By the time you hear this, it's going to be day two, and there might be some more signings. Um, But me, Adam, and Bailey, we just react to the news of the Heat signing Kyle Lowry as kind of the big fish of this class. Uh, We talk about each of our favorite teams, Pelicans, Mavs, Lakers, and uh, get into the days they had as well as biggest winners and biggest losers. So without any further ado, here's our conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. What's going on, everybody? It's B-Date back for another podcast episode. We are recording currently at 11.30 p.m. Um, on day one of free agency. So by the time you hear this, day two will have started already, and uh, more moves will be made. But I'm joined with Adam and Bailey um, for day one of free agency. And uh, as we get started, um, Adam, we'll start with you, man. Let's talk about the big fish, quote unquote, uh, of this year's free agency class. Um, Kyle Lowry, you know, he we kind of knew Kawhi was going to decline and he's probably going to resign with the Clippers. We knew Chris Paul was going to go back to the Suns. So Kyle Lowry was probably the biggest name we had um, as far as big name free agents. He ends up in Miami. Let's talk Kyle Lowry. Let's talk Miami. Any, anywhere you want to go with it, man. Yeah, this has kind of felt like a foregone conclusion for a couple of days now. Day or two, something like that before free agency officially opened. It, it seemed uh, more than likely that Kyle was going to end up in Miami, which I think is a good fit for him. I think his other biggest pursuance were Dallas and New Orleans, two teams I'm sure we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think at this point in Kyle's career, he's looking to go play for a contender somewhere and try to win another championship. Miami is certainly uh, closer to that than New Orleans or Dallas are. I think Lowry's a good fit there. He's a guy who can knock down some threes, steady guy, tough as nails, works hard, very Miami, you know, heat culture type type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bailey, talk to me about, I guess, what you what you liked uh, from, Mil- from Milwaukee, from Miami as a whole, um, in addition to the Lowry signing. Man, I just know that they went about as all in as you can get for a franchise. Uh, signed, what is he, 35-year-old Lowry? Yeah. To a three-year deal, re-up Jimmy Butler, who's, I think, what, 31, 32 now, mm-hmm. to a four-year deal. I mean, they're saying these are their guys, and that's what they're, that's what they're going to push forward with. Um I personally thought that the Duncan Robinson deal was pretty good. Uh, we talked off air about it. Um, I really assumed just off of his shooting alone, he was going to get somewhere around 20 million a year. Um, and to get him for 18 million a year, I really think could be good value considering he's, he's got the one thing in this game that truly never leaves you. And that's shooting. He'll be able to shoot throughout the duration of this contract. Whereas like if he was an explosive player, he could, I mean, never wish this on anybody, but blow his knee out and then you lose all your athleticism or not all of it, but some of it. Shooting really hardly ever leaves you. So I think for a shooter of his caliber um, to get him for 18 million a year, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. So um, you, you detailed Lowry three years, 30, 30 million each year. Um, we've got Jimmy Butler resigning extension four years for about 184 total. 
Got Duncan Robinson, five years, 90 mil. They went out and also got P.J. Tucker from the Milwaukee Bucks for two years, uh, 15 million. Um, re-signed some of their guys, Dwayne Dedman, Gabe Vincent. Um, they declined the option on Andre Iguodala, which tells me he won't be there any longer. And um, obviously, Goran Dragic was lost uh, as part of the Kyle Lowry signing trade. So as a whole, I guess I'm kind of lukewarm on the heat. Uh, no pun intended, just in terms of, like you said, Bailey, they went all in. But when you're in a conference with Brooklyn, who has the three-headed monster they have, with Milwaukee, who just won the title um, with their version of their big three, and you're telling me your big three is Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam, I just feel like you're outgunned um, at multiple positions. And the amount of money they have tied up now with Robinson, Lowry, Butler, and Bam, they're really not going to have much flexibility in terms of uh, trying to add another piece that might swing a needle for you unless you're trading one of those guys. So, um, again, I understand a lot of these moves and, you know, you always want to hypothetically go all in when you have uh, guys at this age, but, I don't know, Adam. I just felt a little eh by by their uh, day. Like it wasn't great, uh, in my opinion, but it, it definitely was not a bad day. Yeah, I don't know. I like the decision to go all in a little bit more than maybe it sounded like you did. It plays into what we talked about um, right after the uh, the championship was decided, and, and Milwaukee walked in on it of a team feeling like their window is now and being willing to spend the money and go after the pieces that they think can help put them over the edge and guys yeah. like Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, who was a part of that exact process just now in Miami. So it is a lot of money. They might've overpaid for some of these guys. Uh, certainly they, that's a huge deal. They just gave to Jimmy Butler um, and, and they committed to Robinson pretty long term, but Again, it's, it's like what we talked about with the Bucks being willing to commit to now and try to go win. Right, right. Uh, last word on Miami before we move on. Um, like I said, P.J. Tucker, I think he just fits right in. You know, the heat culture thing is very cliche now. Um, but if you wanted to just draw up four guys who embody the ethos of their team, it's Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, and Bam. So uh, fit-wise, I like it and things like that when we're just talking about on on the court together. Um, so, yeah, we'll see We'll see what Miami does, man, as they land the big free agent. Uh, so we're going to do in this one. Uh, real, quick we, for, real quick before we move on. Yeah. Another thing I think Miami, like, virtually you have to spend some sort of money in free agency. Like, there is rules against, like, they couldn't just hold this money and be like, nah, next year we'll just have four max contract openings or whatever or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if the league is going to force you to spend money, I mean, you might as well get the best people you, you can get year in and year out. Um, and then, I mean, assuming, like, I guess in the retrospect, if they don't go get Lowry and they don't pay for Duncan Robinson, I mean, what does that do? A year of Jimmy Butler is just down the drain, a year of Bams right. down the drain. So, yeah, even though these guys aren't, I still would have, I would pick Brooklyn to win a seven game series over this team. I would still pick Milwaukee to win a seven game series over this team. You can really only go get the players that are available. And uh, I mean, if this was like a year with Kyrie or Harden in the free agency mix, maybe 
that's who they would have spent their money on. But I mean, at the end of the day, they did get probably the second biggest name in this free agency. Third, depending on how you feel with Chris Paul and Kawhi. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, so we'll leave it there with uh, Miami and I have Adam and Bailey here with me. We have a Mavs fan and we have a Pelicans fan. So we're going to get a little personal and talk about our teams. Um, one of the first bits of news that broke today as well was uh, Mr. Lonzo Ball uh, agreeing to a deal with the uh, Chicago Bulls. First bit of news, that thing dropped at 5 p.m. 5001. <laughs> And um, amazing I feel like, how uh, how fast they got that. that how all fast! Out yeah, after it, it yeah. Opened, yeah. Right after they were allowed to have contact with each other. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. no tempering. Um, nah. so yeah, I, I, as we as we have a, a Pelicans fan here, man, just I know you and the the listeners know, uh, you're not the biggest Lonzo Ball fan in the world. Um, understatement. I just want to lay out the the actual details of the signing trade. It was Lonzo goes to Chicago for a four year deal, eighty five million. Um, New Orleans receives Thomas Sadaransky uh, from and Garrett Temple, and then a Bulls second round pick. And then they also acquired Devonte Graham uh, on four years, forty seven million dollars uh, from the Hornets. And then the Hornets received Laurie Markkinen, and then a New Orleans Pelicans first round pick. Uh, lotto so, protected lotto protected okay okay that's good then lotto, lottery that probably... protected pick uh mm-hmm. losing the pick kind of hurts to begin with but being lottery protected um it's it's not quite as bad we'll be a little upset if we get that back actually but it is what it is yeah so talk to me man like uh i guess how were you when you saw the news that lonzo was leaving how were you when you saw the return things like that yeah so as the listeners are going to be able to guess, I'm ecstatic that Lonzo is leaving. It's addition <laughs> by subtraction. Uh, when the news first broke, it, it kind of took a little minute before the return um, became made available. All I knew was Lonzo was out, and that's all I needed to know for my day to instantly get better. I would have <laughs> traded Lonzo Ball for a po' boy, and not even a particularly good po' boy. You know, I just it, it it's we're better off without him. Um, we're going to waive Sadoransky, I think. Uh, that's that's most of what I hear is that we're going to end up cutting Sadoransky. So so our actual return is Garrett Temple plus the Devontae Graham thing. The Devontae Graham is certainly the more um, flashy, I guess, of, of the return. The more – the one that pops a little bit more. Uh, we got him for about half the price of Lonzo. Yeah. Four years 47 as opposed to four for 85 for Lonzo. Um, Graham's a decent shooter. He shoots 37% uh, from deep. He shoots 43.6% on catch and shoot threes last season, which was top 10 in the NBA. Pretty solid. Um, I'm not like super over the moon about it, but it's, it's a, it's a decent pickup. He takes a lot of bad shots. I feel mm. like, which is kind of what we're trying to get off of with Lonzo, but I also think he's better at making tough shots than Lonzo, so his bad shots aren't quite as bad in that sense. I think he's a decent creator, makes some some decent reads in the half court, um, 5.4 assists per game last year, 
7.5 the year before that and has certainly never had uh, guys like Zion or guys like um, Brandon Ingram playing around him. You've seen him throw some pretty nice lobs up to uh, Miles Bridges and, and stuff like that. And, you know, Bridges is a good lob target and everything, but he's not Zion. Different leagues here. So I think Graham's a nice pickup for us. Um, I'm actually probably higher on Garrett Temple and like care about that more than most people will. I think he'll actually play a little bit for us. Mm-hmm. He's a decent three-point shooter. He's a pretty good defender. Um, he's Louisiana guy to the core. His father was a prominent politician in Louisiana when he was growing up. Mm. He went to LSU. He was on the LSU team that um, went to the Final Four in 2006. And the stars of that team, Big Baby Davis and Tyree, uh, Tyrus Thomas, both long gone from the NBA. But here's the forgotten Garrett Temple sticking around, playing defense, and, and still finding his way in the league. So, you know, happy to have that guy around as well. I like that. Yeah, I'm actually probably the exact opposite. Uh, I'm probably higher on Lonzo Ball than even – Lavar is like in a <laughs> sense like I really think Lonzo is very good um now I mean four years 87 or 85 that's what 21 a little bit more than three. yeah yeah something like, like that. 21 point something um yeah, I don't know if he's 21 I don't know if he's 21 million dollars a year good um I think you have to be able to generate your own bucket to be paid over 20 million dollars a year um or you have to shoot the ball like a Duncan Robinson clip, like just absolute, you're not hitting the rim if you're open type thing. And unfortunately, Lonzo is neither one of those. Um, he has months and, and he's shown flashes where he can shoot the ball, but still, I mean, he's even that month of February where he was shooting the blood out of that basketball, like he wasn't Duncan Robinson. Um, so all that being said, I still think, I'm actually the opposite. Like, Garrett Temple, again, that guy, like, that dude has got a vet men written all over him. Um, I can't see him playing very much. I, I don't know the Pelicans even at a 10% of what Adam knows him. So, if he says he's going to play, I'm sure he is. I just see it hard, a guy like Garrett Temple playing, especially when you look at, like, some of the people that are in the Western Conference that he's going to have to play three or four times a year. Like Garrett, like uh, playing the Mavericks, like Luca will play him off the floor. Um, playing other quick guards, uh, just the first one that popped into my head because he just got the extinction. Like SGA could play him off the floor. Um, We're real I mean, short on guards, though. Yeah. So, and so he's, but then, he's gonna have to get minutes somewhere. Yeah. So I understand, or I didn't understand. I mean, I didn't know you are short on guards. I don't really know the New Orleans roster, so that makes sense why he would have to play, but. To me, I'm saying all this in the sense that it just feels kind of lateral. Um, you bring in two – I don't know how much Garrett Temple is defensively. I don't think he's a super good defender. I know Devontae Graham's not going to be a good defender. Um, you probably lost – he's not like a first-team all-defensive guy, but Lonzo Ball was an above-average defender. And uh, I just feel like, really, Zion's camp wanted to have better people put around him, so y'all – added Devontae Graham and Garrett Temple. I just feel like it's good that the Pelicans didn't pay their $21 million a year, but that return, surely there were better offers out there than Sadoransky and Garrett Temple. I, I mean, 
to an extent, it's up to Lonzo. Lonzo made a deal with Chicago. He had to match it in trade or just let him walk for nothing. Yeah, and I understand that, but that's what I'm getting at. I guess if I would have saw that Sadoransky and, and Temple is who I was getting back, I probably would have just went ahead and matched because I think paying Lonzo 21 is better than Sadoransky and, and Temple. And Devontae Graham. And yeah, still and cap Devontae. space to – like we still have Josh Hart as a restricted free agency as, as well. So we'll probably still be making another sign and trade somewhere along the way with cap space that we still have. True, and, and that's that's fair, but I mean that goes back to I mean, really, as a Pelicans fan, how realistic do you think y'all could add somebody else that, that can move the needle? Like who I mean, wants to come play New Orleans right the needle now? Above anything Lonzo offers. <laughs> Just hate Lonzo. Lonzo's a bum. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I just so, have to agree to disagree there, I guess. So so where I stand on this is I just feel like um, there's real, real pressure on the clock in terms of David Griffin and what he needs to be doing as a, as the GM of a guy who's shown he's a transcendent talent in Zion Williamson. Um, Adam, I'm kind of with you in sense of like you did get shooting. You got an improvement in floor spacing without a doubt. Devontae Graham. Garrett Temple is going to give you more space around Zion, which is ultimately the goal uh, because last year he was surrounded with Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. And um, if we even go back a little bit just to the, the trade where you get Jonas, it's like Jonas can shoot some threes, so he's not always going to be down there clogging the paint. Um, so I like those ideas in principle. I just also feel like, you know, regardless of however you feel about Lonzo, I don't think there's a debate that he was the best point guard Zion's had around him. Um, now, obviously, he was the only one, uh, the only the only important one. But I, I think he just got him about six to eight points a game and just Zion spin out. Lonzo's right there with him connection wise. And I think that chemistry that they were building, man, they, they really had a, a good a good year together in tandem as like a two man lineup. And um, I don't know, man, like there's always theories that, you know, just provide more space and Zion will be able to do the damn thing regardless. Um, and he'll maybe even do it better. But I've seen him go crazy with no space, be super efficient. Um, and then I think you're taking away a guy who could get him easy looks for guys who shoot better, but might also shoot more and take touches away from Zion. You get what I'm saying? So I guess that's kind of where I oppose to it. But all in all, um, I don't know, man. The 485 is is probably why, uh, obviously, the Pelicans didn't match it. And they were just like, hey, let's just go with what we know works, which is shooting around a superstar. Yeah, I've been hearing we were, like, not crossing the line of 20 million a year 20. and he got 21 and a quarter so yeah yeah so um as we go from the pels and all that all that news um let's stay in the south and let's go to the dallas mavs um obviously headlined by luka Doncic, but uh, there were some some good moves the mavs made around the edges today um first and foremost they re-signed tim hardaway jr uh, four years, $74 million, brought back Boban um, for a one-year deal. And then they made some good moves in free agency, getting Sterling Brown for a 
two years, 6.2 million. And then Reggie Bullock, uh, three years, 30. Talk to me, Mavs fan. Um, how, how, how were we feeling about the day? And uh, I guess prospects going into the season. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Uh, what would make the day just be perfect is when this Dwight Powell trade goes through wherever. How Adam feels about Lonzo is how I feel about Dwight Powell. You can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Never been a huge Dwight Powell fan. Um, I think he's a system guy, fit in Rick Carlisle system, whatever, whatnot. I'm not going to go down that lane. But when he gets traded, whenever that happens, that'll make it even better. Um, as far as the dudes we, we added today, um, I'll address them first and then finish with Tim Hardaway Jr., who basically was the headline for the Maverick State today. Um, Sterling Brown is like a 50, 40, 90 type of dude. Um, now, I say that I'm not saying he's Steve Nash. You did it three times or a caliber player like that. But I mean, he really does. You see what he did in Milwaukee. You see what he did last year in Houston before that incident that happened that it was like a nightclub or something. Correct. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. before whatever that incident was, uh, he really was like a 42 and a half percent three point shooter. That's yep. just off the top of my head. Finished the year at 43. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, just absolute floor spacing. Um, same with Reggie Bullock. I mean, he gave the Knicks all the shooting that they needed last year or all the shooting that they got. Maybe not needed, but all the shooting that they had came virtually from Reggie Bullock. Um, both guys, maybe not the greatest defenders, but dudes that at least are going to give you effort on both ends. Um, that's all I guess you can really ask for if you're not getting a guy like P.J. Tucker or Iguodala, like a proven defender, just guys that will give you everything they got on both ends. And then due to except their roles. I mean, we're not bringing in dudes who are like wanting to have the ball. We're bringing in dudes who have shown that they're okay with just being floor spacers and like living off of Luca creating shots for them. Uh, Boban was totally just a fan move. Um, Mm -hmm. Us as the Mavs. Mavs fans love Boban. I'm sure it's going to be a one-year vet men deal. Um, And then, yeah, to wrap it all up, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s uh, four-year, one more time, 70 what now? Uh, Four for 74. Four for 74. um, If I mean, Brandon can attest. I've talked about it off air quite a bit. My number for Tim Hardaway Jr. all offseason long has been 18. Um, I was kind of like how the Pelicans – or Adam said the Pelicans were with Lonzo. Um, 20 was like my number. It, It really couldn't be more than 20. Um, so seeing him come in for 18, I think that's a really, really good deal. Um, it was the first time, in my opinion, a dude chose the Mavs that had multiple suitors and like mm. said, no, I really like what's happening here. I really want to be a part of this. Um, Porzingis chose us last year, but I mean, we traded for him. You kind of like felt like that was going to happen. A little wink, wink deal kind of yeah. thing. And uh, like the only other person that's done it before that was, was Dirk. So, I mean, other than that, dudes have virtually tried to leave Dallas as quickly as possible. So it was, it was really refreshing to finally see a guy, maybe not an all-star caliber player, but a good player, a dude who is a scorer. I think he averaged 18 something points per game this year, just off the top of my head again. Uh, a dude who can score the ball was a proven score. Um, who, again, maybe isn't the greatest defender, per se, but he gives effort on both ends. He accepts his role. And virtually, I think, depending on what our lineup is next year, could be a six-man-of-the-year six candidate um, to just come in and say, no, I really like it here. I like what we're building, and I want to play with what some would say maybe the 
fifth best player in the league, fourth best player. So that was it. Was good just seeing somebody picking the Mavs over everybody else for a change. Yeah, at. So I actually have a question for you as a fan. Um, you know, we we've seen years in the past coming into the offseason, the Mavs having significant cap space and chasing after big free agents and it never working out, whether it was when Kawhi ended up in Los Angeles or when DeAndre Jordan ended up being held hostage somewhere. (laughs) One way or another, the Mavericks managed to not end up like with the big fish. And they were supposed to be going after Kyle Lowry and or DeMar DeRozan this year. I guess the DeRozan door hasn't completely closed, but like, do you have any sense of, oh, no, it happened again and we missed out and Lowry went to Miami and DeRozan's going wherever? Or are you just kind of satisfied with all that you got? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. It feels like every year, um, you like you said, Dallas comes in. It's like, we have that max contract spot this year. We're going to get the guy. And then DeAndre Jordan falls through. Hassan Whiteside chooses the heat on Instagram on his Instagram story instead of us, or Snapchat story, whatever it was. Michael Conley chooses somebody else instead of us. Um, so after that happens to you enough times, you do just become dead to all of this, <laughs> like first day jitter stuff. You're just kind of like whatever. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think it was so much like a oh crap, it happened to us again. Um, I've kind of told Brandon for a while now, this free agent class really wasn't a great one um, considering we knew the better guys were going to more than likely stay. It had the, had the chance of being great. Like if Giannis didn't resign or if Bradley Bill didn't resign, but when those dudes signed their extensions and Kawhi is basically going to sign his extension, Chris Paul stayed put. I mean, it just became a very bland type of, of free agency. Now, if say Giannis, was at this point in the season if he chose the Bucks over us now absolutely like he would have felt the exact same way like man we blew it again it's never gonna happen but you just I just didn't think this free agency class was a great one I think bringing back the dudes that we brought back was great the deals that we got like three what was it six million total for Sterling for Brown Sterling and then like, 30 that's really over good. three years for Bullock 10 a year for Bullock that's really good we I in my opinion we didn't really overpay for anybody um, and like you said, that does leave a DeRozan door open just a little bit. Um, I, I know we're interested in Josh Hart. Um, I'm sure hey, whatever we can offer him, y'all could easily match. But I know like Josh Hart, somebody we're interested in. Um, and there was one more name. If you'll give me just a half a second that we were interested in, I can refine the the list. But there was – go ahead, b Yeah, no, while, while you're looking that up um... – to, to answer Adam's question, I kind of think the, for the Mavs, it almost felt like the big fish wasn't the right play this year in terms of um, just sometimes I feel like when you have this top five, top 10 player, kind of how I was saying about Zion, like maybe the margins are the better, uh, is the better way to go. Um, and, and Reggie Bullock, I saw him last year play around Julius Randle um, and Derrick Rose, and he was able to space the floor and shoot threes well. Um, I saw Sterling Brown, like Bailey said, he, he was on a God awful Houston team, but, uh, they weren't God awful because of him. If you give me, um, and, and I think when you put guys in better situations to win, there's more of an incentive to try harder. Um, I'll talk about this later with some of the guys that, uh, 
honorable mention for my team. But uh, like Reggie Bullock, he gave it his all last year. And I think he could really be, you know, the guy you put on the big power wings to start games and not feel like you're going to get killed at that position. Like last year for the Mavs, um, it was Dorian Finney-Smith, but they never had that second guy for that, that wing type of player. Um, I always think of the Clippers series and they have Maxi on Kawhi, which Maxi's going to give it hell, but that's not the desired matchup. You know what I mean? At least now, if you hypothetically had the same sort of scenario where you have a shooting guard and a small forward to defend, now you can have Dodo on the small forward and put Reggie Bullock on the shooting guard. And you at least feel more comfortable just based off the, you know, size, quickness, foot speed, things like that. So I actually felt like the margin moves were better for Dallas to make instead of, like you said, the DeRozan play or the Lowry play. Um, so that's kind of where I was at with with their uh, their moves. I thought they had a really good day. Yeah, and to kind of take the to kind of take the easy way around your question, um, I do think we landed a big fish this offseason, but it wasn't a player. I really think Nico Harrison is the big fish like that the Mavs mm. were able to gather this offseason. Um, a dude who's really got it, got it well with a bunch of players around the league, has his ties with Nike. Some may buy into that. I personally do think, I mean, Nike athletes tend to care more about Nike guys. Uh, younger players tend to care more about Nike than some of the other brands in some senses. Um, and then Jason Kidd as well. I was real big. Literally the night Mavs got eliminated, I was on, we were talking to Brandon offline and I told him that Rick Carlisle had to go. Um, so seeing Rick Carlisle go, I think was another win in a sense. So I'll take the easy way out and say, yeah, we got the big fish, but it net, like he won't suit up for us next year. He'll be in a suit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that name was Buddy Hill, by the way. I looked it up. Buddy. Buddy Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Buddy's still maybe connected to us through the Josh Hart thing. Mm. Yeah. We'll see. I would like that. Get him like back. Get him back in New Orleans. Yeah, bring him back. Yeah. So as we get to uh, the Lakers here, if anyone wants to kind of set it up on a play for me, so I can talk about this weird team, we can get into it. Yeah, I mean, all kind of funky stuff has happened with the Lakers off season, um, including today here in these now what seven hours of free agency that we've been through. But I think before you can even get into any of that, we got to take a step back and talk about the big Westbrook bombshell that dropped on uh, draft night last week. Kind of came out of nowhere. Weird fit. Lots of talent. What's going on, Brandon? Yeah, man. So when the news broke on draft night, I was at work. I didn't really see it till a little bit later. People like Adam, Bailey, both of y'all were blowing up my phone. How you yeah. feeling? What's going on? And I was just like, what happened? I find out we get Russell Westbrook and we basically only have three to four players on our roster. And um, we've historically, the Lakers, I'm saying we, because I don't know, but the Lakers have historically been a, a team who always makes the kind of talent play over the, let's build a team that fits perfectly together. If you look at our championship roster, it was a bunch of old parts that didn't really fit together, but we had LeBron and AD that kind of just greased the wheels enough for us to get over. And I feel like that's what this was this year. It's just another talent play. Like, I think the a Buddy Heel trade offer was in the works on draft night. And, you know, it was like Kuzma, Trez, and our number 22 overall pick for Buddy. And, and maybe looking uh, 
ahead to the season, if we start off slow or if we don't finish where we want to finish, then maybe I'm like, you know, we should have just took that buddy deal, kept KCP, had the requisite shooting around our two best players, and then have a little bit more money to fill in the gaps. Um, but at the same token, I've always been a proponent of, like I've talked with Adam with uh, for a long time, the, the bigger, faster, stronger model that we have. And Russell Westbrook, you know, relative to per- to his position fits that mold, you know, uh, not the biggest point guard, six, three, six, four guy, but, uh, very physically strong. Uh, he's the biggest plays, the biggest, one of the fastest guys in the league still to this day, to this day, Deontay Wilder style. Um, but there, but there, there's definitely question marks, man. And, um, it was good to see that we tried to address some of them in free agency. Now, granted, they were, some of the poo-poo platter signings, some of the, the what I call the men bin, we're just reaching in for minimum guys, your Trevor Ariza's, your Kent Bazemore's, your Wayne Ellington's, all those guys I like for the money because it's no money. And it's just, you're coming in to shoot threes. You're coming in to defend the guys LeBron doesn't want to check um, to try and save his legs through the season, eat some innings uh, throughout the regular season. We brought back Dwight Howard, who was actually a really vital part of our championship run. Um, to kind of insulate AD from, you know, breaking something, guarding a center. Um, so I guess when I think of our free agency with the fact that Russell Westbrook's now on the team and we need as much shooting as humanly possible, I don't hate it. I definitely didn't love it because we lost Alex Caruso, man. And, uh, you know, he's become a meme and this blog boy type of dude online. But, you know, you guys know the game and you guys know, like, that guy's a winning player. He makes winning plays. He's a really good uh, help side team defender. And um, he kind of just fit in with what our stars did well. Uh, he was another one of those guys. He's not bigger per se for his size, but uh, he can move his feet well. And he's a str- stronger than you think type of guard when it comes to defense. So he's definitely going to be a big miss, man. But uh, at, overall, I gave us kind of like a B minus. Like it wasn't a great day but considering the money we had and um considering some of the guys uh that we got like I said Ariza and Bazemore were probably my favorites just three and D wings who can Ariza in Ariza's case guard your big power wings and in Bazemore's case get your more shiftier two guards I didn't hate it I'll say this team would would probably win 71 to 72 games in 2012 Considering y'all have some of 2012's best players, man, prime Dwight Howard, prime Braun, first year of the finals, Russell Westbrook, uh, first year in the league, Anthony Davis. I mean, this team would be tough in 2012. That only thing that scares me really is, uh, like when Wayne Ellington can shoot it, Kent Bazemore can shoot it, but they're kind of bringing the same idea that Wesley Matthews did for y'all in the same sense, like. I'm just afraid of, can they continue to shoot throughout the year um, when they're having to probably do a little bit more than they were asked at their previous spot. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's a great point because on a real championship roster, these are your 10th, your 11th, your 12th men. Um, if you're, if you're as good as, you know, you want to be like Kent Bazemore is probably your eighth man. And like you're like, oh, we have Kenton Bazemore, who's like the third guard off the or the second guard off the bench. Like that's a luxury. But 
when Kent Bazemore is cast in a role like you're saying, where it's like, no, we need you to hit 40% of your threes because no mm-hmm. one else can shoot. I definitely hear that. Uh, same with Wayne Ellington, all the spacing he'll provide. He's going to take away a lot from the identity that we've built up over the last few years in terms of being a defensive first kind of team. Um, so no, man, like Adam said, I, and like you said, Bailey, I, I definitely see a lot of holes and uh, the talent is all there in terms of our big three. Um, you know, hopefully we're able to pull some strings to get a couple more minimum guys who, who fit, who fit well with uh, what we want, we're trying to do. But um, no, there's definitely a lot of big question marks, man. I'll tell you what I'm most interested to see is when Braun and Westbrook both are at nine assists on that triple-double and then that fast break together. There are going to be so Mark many one more. There are going to be so many one more thrown together right then. Yeah, man. Somebody got to shoot it. Y'all may get a shot clock violation on a fast break. <laughs> Facts. But uh, uh, I guess, Adam, what do, you, what do you think, man? What are you thinking? Because I know, I know um, there, there's a lot of holes in here, man. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to digest still i'd kind of mentioned before we started that i'm still kind of figuring out what i think of what the lakers have done it's yeah. just weird it it's seems just very like weird. it's kind of all over the place and it's weird and like y'all need more shooting so y'all got westbrook who like thinks he's the greatest shooter ever but not you kind of don't want him to even take those shots but then y'all need somebody to shoot threes I and mean, it's just my thoughts are all very jumbled up on this there's certainly a lot of talent um I mean, Westbrook's y'all's third best player. Like, this guy's won an MVP award just, like, three years ago. Mm-hmm. That's insane. There's a ton of talent. This might be the kind of thing y'all need to do to compete with a three-headed monster like Brooklyn. You know, just acquire the talent and figure out the fit later. Talent finds a way. Yeah, that's exactly what I think they're doing. I think it's just – at they're just saying, look, if we grab all the best players we possibly can and just put them out there together, they'll figure it out. We don't have to. Uh, like, LeBron is such a basketball, high basketball IQ player. Russell Westbrook can have moments where he has bad turnovers and stuff, but he has a very high basketball IQ. Anthony Davis has a very high basketball IQ. They'll figure something out. Uh, I just think that's probably what they're doing. Just grab the best of the best and say, look, Y'all played for Team USA together at one point in 2012. <laughs> Just make that happen again. Like, yeah. it's the same sense. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely see. I think out of the out of our three teams, I'd probably say the Mavs probably had the best day in terms of shrewd signings and things like that. Um, when was the last time you said that? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't exist, does it? It doesn't no. exist. Um, so last thing we're going to do here, man, we're going to go biggest winners, biggest losers. Adam, we'll start with you. Give me a, give me a couple winners, man, that you had throughout the day one. Shooters are winners. Shooters in mm-hmm. general. We just saw D-Rob get paid real big. Some other guys have gotten some money thrown at him just for shooters. Today's a, a very good indication that the NBA is continuing to trend in the direction of guys who can knock down open threes and not do much else are going to find ways to make lots of money. Speaking of lots of money, my other big winner is Mr. Chris Paul himself, who is now slated to be making 40 plus million dollars in his age 40 season. It's that is ridiculous. phenomenal. <laughs> that is that man's family is set for life. Shout out to Chris Paul. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, man. Um, Chris Paul will come up later for me, uh, or at least his team will. So uh, I'm going to hold it there. Uh, Bailey, give me a couple winners, man. 
Yeah. My uh, biggest winner to me, and Adam, you may want to take your headphones out, man. I, it's going to be Chicago. Uh, adding guys like Lonzo and adding guys like <laughs> Alex Caruso. That's what I'm saying. Adding guys like Lonzo, Alex Caruso, those are dudes that, that look, calling spades a spade. Are Chicago going to be contenders for the NBA championship next year? No. But you can't tell me they didn't get better today. Yes, I can. And so and for that reason, I have to have them as a winner. How, tell me how they – even if you hate Lonzo, adding Caruso makes them better. Yeah, Caruso makes them better. Caruso making them better is not enough to overset so, how much worse Lonzo makes them. Oh, my God, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. My uh, – uh, my biggest loser, though, biggest. Can I give a the biggest loser? Uh, let me let me go winners real quick. Oh, okay. Go ahead. No, no, we can we can, Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, I don't know if Dennis Schroeder knows if his phone works yeah. or not. Yeah, I saw that day, man. Called Verizon up. Say, yo, hey. Why well, ain't getting no calls, man? Nah, he's <laughs> he's a guy who we offered a four year, eighty five million dollar extension during the season. He turned it down, thought he was worth more, and uh, the only thing he's got to show for that is a uh, is a Warzone commercial with Mookie Betts. Um, so it, it just it's been a rough it's been a rough forty eight hours or so for Dennis Schroeder. Um, one of my biggest winners, uh, centers. You know, you guys talked about shooters. I thought centers were a big winner. I saw Rashawn Holmes get four years, 55 million. I saw Kelly Olynyk get uh, 37 million to the Pistons. Uh, two terrible franchises historically, but uh, those two individuals were winners. So we're going to go winner there. And uh, another winner I had was uh, the Denver Nuggets. I thought they did really good um, in the margins as well. Um, they re-signed Will Barton, re-signed Austin Rivers, brought Jermichael Green back, and then added Jeff Green, which also in turn took a sting, a little bit of sting out of the Nets, which, you know, signed me and Adam up for that for sure. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, all those pieces fit well around their best two players. So uh, the Nuggets were my biggest winner. Um Biggest loser for me before I kick it to you, Adam. The Phoenix Suns. Let me tell you why. Um, <laughs> so Adam mentioned Chris Paul being his big winner uh, for getting 40 mil at age 40. I think the Phoenix Suns are a big loser, however, because I. It almost feels like they're they they're tricking themselves, or they're not, they don't want to face reality, which is. You you go out and you you basically uh tie three years up into Chris Paul probably four um because he's probably going to pick that option up at age 40 um you give campaign a little bit of a pay raise cool he's earned it good story all that um still got to resign DeAndre Ayton which is probably going to get a near max if not the max Mikhail Bridges is going to be pricey then all of a sudden your starting five and campaign caps you out for the next couple years there's not really much flexibility there. And where I'm saying they tricked themselves is, let's be real. This was a first-round exit type of team uh, this year if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt. 
Uh, I don't want to sound like the petty Laker fan or anything, but we were up to one and we were throwing lobs off the backboard in game four before AD got hurt. And I think that finals run they had this year, credit to them for making it, credit to them for beating the teams they beat to get there. But it almost feels like they thought they're a finals contender that's just maybe a piece or two away rather than what I think they really are, which is a good Western Conference team who in a, a, a semi-normal year is probably at best a second-round exit. And I think the illusion of the success they had might hurt them in the future uh, in, ter- in terms of trying to make adjustments and make roster tweaks as they, uh, as they all come up as the years go along. Yeah, I think that's a very good assessment where they're trying to just run it back instead of, you know, looking for the improvements that need to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give me yeah a and I mean, call it, calling a spade a spade on that part right there. I mean, Lakers, they had AD go down. Denver, no Jamal Murray. Clippers, no Kawhi. I mean. And then the first healthy play, team they face. They lose. That's like to, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and give me a big loser, Adam. I mean, Chicago paid eighty something million dollars <laughs> to get like thirteen points on forty percent shooting. That's that's awful. And Daniel Tice is stuck in Houston, which he got a decent deal. But man, just anybody who has to go to Houston lost. Oh my god, that's tough. That's tough. No, uh, I actually liked Houston's draft. So I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I did too, but man, that, that does not seem like the place to be right now. It's tough because he's going to be the veteran and he's like 28 years old and he's just going to have to be dealing with a bunch of little kids that, that, that could get annoying very, very quick. Um, Bailey, you mentioned Dennis Schroeder. Do you have any more losers? Yeah, man. Uh, I talked about it a little bit off air. Uh, Detroit Pistons uh, mm-hmm. won the lottery, won Cade Cunningham, and then immediately, I don't know what they did. Uh, Kelly Olenek on a big bag. Uh, added a couple other dudes today that I was just like Corey Joseph, I think was a dude they added today. Two year deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, why? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Like, we don't know what the Lakers are doing, but I do know they're adding talent. Uh, I don't know what the Pistons are doing, and they're adding Corey Joseph. I mean, there's two ways you can go, and the Pistons chose the wrong one. So I'm going to say the Pistons are probably my second biggest loser behind. Mr. Schroeder himself. Yeah. And then uh, the last one I had, um, and we can we can kind of end it on this little discussion, is the Portland Trailblazers. Um, you know, you have a, a, a top 10 player in the league in Damian Lillard, and you know going he into this. He may be this, the biggest loser, actually. Yeah, it might be him. Could be. He very well could be. Um, and, and, and you know going into this free agency process, that there are at least rumblings, you know, whether it be from the media, whether it be from Dame himself, there are rumblings that he's even said verbatim, this isn't a championship team around me, you know, and that's basically just telling front office, hey, let's make some roster improvements. So what do the Portland Trailblazers do to improve? They re-sign Norman Powell, good player. I like Norman Powell. Five years, 90 million. I don't like him as much. Um, You... Lose Zach Collins to San Antonio. That's whatever. He didn't play anyway. Um, Your big kind of acquisition for the day was Cody Zeller. 
it's it's just not it's just not the things you should be doing if we're trying to convince our top 10 player to stay if we're if we're just you know in the mood to try and rebuild i like those pieces because norman powell can jack up 30 shots we can lose a bunch of games and we can get a top five top 10 pick but when you have damian lillard in his prime you have CJ McCollum, who's sitting there as trade bait, and we don't want to make any sort of moves. We don't want to make any sort of, like, even illusion that we're trying to contend, um, you know, with some of the signings they got or didn't get. It, it just fell a little flat to me, Adam. Yeah, so we mentioned Phoenix as a team that's kind of running in place, if you will. Mm. And Phoenix can at least validate that with the idea that running in place is the place of a team that just went to the finals. It feels like Portland is running in place as well, except that the place they're running in is a team that's trying to run their top 10 NBA player out of town while constantly losing and wasting his prime. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard to watch Bailey. Cause I mean, by all accounts, Damian Lillard has been nothing but loyal to the franchise. Uh, 20, 18, I think it was, or 2019, he took them to a conference finals. They get swept by the Warriors. And since that moment, first round exit uh, in the bubble to the Lakers in a 4-1. Uh, first round exit this year to the Nuggets without a Jamal Murray even playing. And we had Dame Lillard have some historic moments in that postseason. The 55 points where he hits two threes to tie it up, uh, to send him into overtime. And then all of a sudden, CJ McCollum forgets how to play basketball and they lose that game. Like it's, it's kind of frustrating, Bailey, when, when we think of who Dame is as a player and as a person, man, to see his organization kind of just be kind of nonchalant about his success, I guess. Yeah. It kind of uh, rings home or like rings true to home for me a little bit. Uh, two totally different players per se, but a lot of Dirk Nowitzki in this, in a sense of like, the Trailblazers just kind of hope Damian Lillard will bail them out again year after year after year of uh, continuously bringing in dudes who, I mean, us three can sit here and you say you like Norman Powell, money aside, whatever that whatever he gets paid, he's still not pushing the needle. He's not going to take you from a good team to a championship team unless he's like your fourth or fifth best player, whereas right now he's third maybe even after this last playoff run, they're second. Like, I just, yeah, it's just too too much of the Blazers front office relying on Damian Lillard and not enough trying to give him any help, I guess. Uh, it's really almost criminal in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we go, man. Uh, one free agent signing that you would like to see your team make on day two. Uh, we'll start with Bailey, go to Adam, and then I'll – I'll wrap it up. Uh, mine's probably not so much a signing. Uh, is it fair? Is it okay if I don't do a sign? Can I do just any sort of accus- acquisition? Yeah. Uh, man, give me um. Now this is being said, like we talked about a couple minutes ago. Uh, Goran Dragic is more than likely going to wear a Mavericks jersey next year. He's made it pretty clear he wants to play for us, whatever. So I'm not even talking about this one. Give me, like, Marvin Bagley. Like, I'd love – I think I'd like to have Marvin Bagley. I talked to you off air about it yesterday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a dude who was drafted over Luka. Like, 
I mean, at some point, somebody thought he was better than Luca. So I think pairing him with Luca can bring some of that skill back out. Um, I d- definitely don't think he's a better player than Luca, but maybe playing with somebody, this would be as good as De'Aaron Fox is, the best guard, best playmaker that Marvin Bagley's ever played for. Um, so I think maybe we can kind of jumpstart his career again, give him a fresh start. And you can't tell me that his price isn't low right now. Um, probably the lowest it's been in his career. That's a good point. Yeah. Adam? Yeah, also not quite going with a true signing, but a signing trade. And it is the one that we mentioned earlier, trying to move Josh Hart into Sacramento and take Buddy Heald back in return. He was here once before, and the shooting that he offers is just something we so desperately need. I think it makes Mm -hmm. sense for all parties involved. For as much as I like Josh Hart, he's made it very, very clear he does not want to be here anymore. So uh, that that seems like the right direction for us to go from my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, Buddy, Devontae, and then, um, you know, some of the other guys who y'all have, the young guy around Ingram and Zion. That's ideal. Yeah. You know, that just gives those guys room to operate in the, their comfort areas. Uh, for me, uh, of course, I'm going to, you know, cop out. I, I, I would like uh, DeMar DeRozan, if I could, please. Um, uh, L.A. kid, <laughs> Compton, man, he wants to come back home. I know uh, so a lot of the steam that was on the DeRozan train had kind of um, died down a bit. I saw some interest with the Knicks. I saw some interest with a couple other teams. Um, But as far as talent plays go, man, a mid-level exception for DeMar DeRozan, um, that's that's great value for a guy who's been a multi-time all-star, a guy who's shown that he can play make. Um, And I think the name of the game in today's league is just, number one, accumulate talent, and number two, have have, uh, secondary and tertiary ball handlers um, who can provide you some sort of off-the-dribble creation when all the offense doesn't work. And as I've mentioned, we're a team who's struggling and struggling and struggling to find perimeter shooting. So one-on-one creation is a priority, you know. So if we get a guy who can just operate in tight spaces anyway, why not, man? Damar, sign me up. Come do it. Let's go get a chip, man. man. After as much as we hated on Brooklyn all year long as they were making all these stupid acquisitions, picking up Blake Griffin and picking up LaMarcus Aldridge, I feel like I just got slapped in the face for you to come up here and say y'all should add a two-time All-NBA member to Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Get out of here, man. Mid-level exception, man. Come on. How ironic would that be, though? Come on, LeBron. LeBron terrorized De- DeRozan his entire career at Toronto <laughs> to the point where we called him LeBronto. LeBronto. And now, yeah. he's gonna, now he's gonna hop on LeBron's coattails and say, "No, no, no! I'll I'll play for what's the mid level? Five million, nine million, whatever it is. I don't even want that much money. To be fair, I already got that lifetime deal with uh, Nike. Yeah, just give me a need space nothing else. Three, and yeah. we'll call it even, man. I don't need nothing else, man. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll leave it there. Adam, Bailey, appreciate you guys hopping on here for me, man. Yes, sir. Um, This will be up for the listeners in the morning. Um, Like I said, by the time you hear it, it's probably going to be day two. Your team's going to make some of the signings. Um, But these are just our immediate reactions to day one, man, and I hope you guys enjoyed the pod, and we will see you guys in another one soon.